Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Sarah Land, Alabama, parade first team All-American rivals, five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and my friend. Ladies and gentlemen, please stand and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? Great, Scott. How are you today? I'm missing you. Wish I was I'm there. That, man. You, today. you know, it's funny. I walked out of the uh, the podcast studio here and walked out in the lobby, and I felt like you were still in here. It, it's so funny. You know, we've been on all these Zooms the last two days, and it, it feels like we're together, but we're not together. And it's it's definitely not the same energy, but it's pretty close. Yeah, so. yeah. I think today, today, guys, we're having a very special Father's Day edition of the Insurance Guys podcast. And I, Bradley had a brilliant idea to kind of release a bonus episode here today on Father's Day and just talk a little bit about what our dads have meant to us over our lifetime and things, lessons we've learned and things that maybe have helped us out now that we're adults and we've gotten, in my case, old and Bradley older we just wanted to talk a little bit about that but before we do Bradley Flowers let's catch everyone up to speed on what's been going on in the world of portal insurance and I protect insurance in the past six months it's crazy you know we actually had this idea to do it last year but we missed it and it seems like it was two months ago like it's crazy just I guess it kind of goes back to, uh, you know, if time's flying, you're having fun, or time flies when you're having fun kind of thing. Right. But, I mean, I can't believe we are uh, almost 18 months into this portal insurance project. It's been good. It's been good. We are uh, profitable. We were profitable in 10 months, although it was barely in, in 10, 11, and 12 months were kind of shaky still. And then month 13, it was like a rocket ship took off in terms of, profitability and able to invest back in our business and things like that. And, and as you know, that was kind of the business plan all along. So it's been good. You know, we've, we've went through some folks, you know, sometimes you got to uh, hire some frogs to get to the, <laughs> to get to the wow. good stuff, you know, and everybody we've hired have all been, you know, great folks. It just wasn't a good fit for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got a, we've got a real good team now got, you know, one top producer that that's got some experience in insurance We've got two guys that are that are brand new to uh, to the business that we're kind of training up. One is a, a former uh, manager at Chick Fil A, which is interesting. That adds some a different kind of flavor to the to the agency. And I've learned, I think, almost as much from him as he has from me. And then we've got we're in three states now: we're Alabama, Florida, and New York State. We've got a producer that lives in New York state. It's like a commission only deal. Um, it's kind of like our second office. Um, you know, I'm not opposed to that. If anybody, uh, you know, this person came to me and was kind of getting a raw deal, wanted to open their own agency, but didn't uh, necessarily didn't want to go through the 18 months of duct taping everything together like I did. So we were able to, to set up kind of a sub agency kind of thing there. Right. So it's good. It's good. Uh, what about you? Well, as I said on a podcast last week, outside of the insurance guys podcast, I said, I said, the only thing that hasn't changed in our agency is the name on the door and the phone number. Uh, We have completely revamped everything that we do. It's been a challenge. It's been a lot of fun. It's been exciting. 
but it's been a lot of hard work. And uh, I obviously couldn't have done it without without all the great people that we have here. You know, I, to, I told somebody the other day, that there's, there's a, a saying that I keep saying over and over again, and that is, while we've been doing all of this, we've still had to make the donuts. We have to get up and go make the donuts every day while you're changing management systems, training everybody, getting your downloads in, scrubbing all those, make sure they're right, adding yeah. technologies, doing a lot of these different things. So I came up with a plan in early March. I said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, to rely on myself and one other agent who's real technology savvy in my agency to work on all of this and then keep everybody else insulated until they need to start training and working and uh, you know, training on the systems and learning everything. And we've done a pretty damn good job. I'm very proud of how we've done that. We, we've done a very good job of not overloading everybody in our agency and making them drink out of a fire hydrant. And to date, I think we're, you know, kind of where we need to be. Obviously, we've still got a lot of learning to do on our management system. You know, Bradley, you and I haven't really talked a lot about this, but uh, I think I think people that are listening to this are going to be like, well, you know, what'd you do, Scott? Tell us what you did. So I don't know what I'm able to share or not share. And so, you know me, I'm just going to share it. And if it pisses somebody off, so it'll just have to piss them off. But share it. from an agency management system perspective, we spent two months researching and doing demos on, on practically every management system out there. And one of the things, Bradley, that I want to do on the podcast is I've got a name and phone number somewhere that I'm going to find of a guy that I've heard is an expert on every management system out there. And I would love to have him on the podcast to talk about just, you know, not any one being better than the other, just the differences between the two and talk, you know, more intelligently about that. Because there's no one right decision, no, right? It's kind of like not. independent versus captive versus cluster versus goosehead. It's whatever works best for you, you know? That's exactly right. I mean, certainly there's, I think every management system has a feature that another management system does not have. That's exactly right. So after a great deal of trial and tribulations and demos and talking about cost and what the benefit analysis is, we decided that for our agency, both now and in the long term, and I'll tell you one of the big, big, big decisions, or reasons why we went this way was because our book of business is split almost 50-50 between, actually it's about 70, 65, uh, we'll say 60-40, 60-40 commercial and personal lines. So we decided to go with Hawksoft. And so far, that has been a fantastic decision. If there is a agency management system out there that has better support on the front end in the training and I, I, I bet you I have been on no less than 30 ring central video conference calls with Almost too much, huh? <laughs> yes. I'm talking four or five a week for different things. We had one trainer that was assigned to us and she has been absolutely phenomenal. And then we had someone else that was on the accounting side that's been working with myself and two other agents in my office on learning the 
the billing, the receipting, the accounting, the trust side of things, because, you know, we do connect QuickBooks, tr- our QuickBooks trust accounts to our Hawksoft software. As you know, Bradley, we have searched high and low for the right rater to use for both commercial and personal lines. <laughs> and I'll let you tell, well, I'll tell the story just real briefly. So we had one rater that we were looking at. And we decided to go with him. And I called Bradley and I was talking to him about it. And he's like, don't do it. Don't do it. You're making a huge mistake. We had them for one day and canceled them. We had, to, we had that Raider for one day and canceled it. Actually, what I said is I said, I'm going to make a prediction. I said, a week from now, your team is going to come to you and tell you they don't want to use it. And it was a day. It was one day. So commercial lines, we're going with Tarmica. And I'm just going to be very blunt here. The timeline for Tarmica's personal lines Raider has been pushed out a little bit, but I think in terms of personal line Raiders, we're going to put a Band-Aid on that for now and use something else uh, until the personal lines Tarmica Raider is the, the switch is ready to be flipped. And then we're going to be, you know, personal lines with Tarmica as well, because and you and I could get in a two-hour conversation about this, but we could. it's. I told a carrier yesterday that they were going to be obsolete if they didn't get on Tarmica. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, yeah, I told you Justin Miller in my agency has demoed every, to my knowledge, every Raider out there. He he worked for three years in an agency before coming here, where they used the Easy Links Raider. Which, if you if you ask agents, you know, Easy Links Raiders got pretty high marks. Yeah, but he told me yesterday he did the Tarmica uh, demo with the uh, CEO and and his team up there, and he got off the call and walked in here and he said that that's the future of insurance right yep. there. So so much so that what will happen is the companies that are on Tarmica will start getting a lot more business through agencies yeah. because of ease of use. What what you're going to have is and I and I firmly believe this that the the company and, and Tarmica does not pay us a dime like not a dime okay this is not an advertorial for Tarmica um I fir- and we're on it now we've been using it for about a month I firmly believe the carriers and and even maybe some of the agents but especially the carriers that do not jump on Tarmica once it hits critical mass and there's enough carriers on there for it to be used widespread similar to an easy links the carriers that do not listen to me right now, the carriers that do not jump on Tarmica when it hits critical mass are going to be left in the dust. Yep. The carriers that jump on it are going to have droves of business put with them. And what you're going to have too, this may be a, even a bolder prediction is you're going to have a, a situation with Tarmica and with project neon that, agents and we've already seen a little bit of this we've gotten a few commercial direct appointments recently that i don't think we would have gotten had it not been for us being on tarmica and what i mean by that is the fact that we were on tarmica got us in the door right right it it was a it was an indication that we are an agency doing things a different way and what you're going to have with tarmica and with B atomic is you're going to have carriers that are specifically going to auto, almost automatically give appointments to agents who are on those platforms. That's right. So we went with Tarmica. Uh, we've got a band aid. I th- 
think it's through ITC Turbo Raider, but but through Hawksoft, our management system, they have their own white labeled version of that for Hawksoft. And I think we're going to band aid that for about six months until we until we can can get on Tarmica for personal lines. And then the couple of kind of strange things that we've done that are kind of out of the box. We went with rocket referrals for all of our touches in terms of, you know, streamlining and, and just, uh, you know, being able to touch clients, our current client base. We went with rocket referrals there um, after we demoed probably eight different types of companies that do that. But it looks like we're going to be doing something different with our prospects. Uh, at first, we were going to do prospects and clients with rocket referrals. And now I think we're going to, from an automation standpoint, we're going to be doing something a little different, possibly with Agency Revolution for our prospects, texting, email campaigns, postcards, those kinds of things. So that's kind of what we're doing right now. I, I, there's a lot more to that, but I know we, you know, we need to get into the other half of this podcast and uh, I'm trying to think what else we've done in terms of just changes that we've made in our agency during this transition you know obviously the management system is the big one what's been the toughest part here you are almost at the finish line for lack of a better even though things aren't done you're still I mean we're still implementing stuff you know what what's been the toughest part I would say from my standpoint, the hardest part would be getting my people on board with, and I'm talking about all seven employees. I, I've got seven employees total in my agencies, but just getting them all on board with how important it was to learn the Hawksoft way of doing business through the agency management system. We're not going back, guys. <laughs> like this is right. Yeah. And literally it came down to, you know, they were supposed to be watching these videos and we were getting on, on group calls with trainers to go through how to do things. And I had Justin running a report for me the first, I think it was like the fourth week we had it. And the first report he came in here and gave me showed that no person in my agency besides Justin and myself had even gotten in there and played with it. Everything was zeroed out. Like how many transactions in Hawksoft? Then the next week there was like each one of them had like one or two transactions. And then I had to lose my freaking mind and just basically threaten them with firing or death if they didn't start doing transactions in Hawksoft. And again, it's just change. It's just different, you know. Now I'd say we're probably probably utilizing Hawksoft with every single transaction that we do, whether it's a phone call, a billing account, a change on the policy. And now the beautiful thing about it is after four weeks of all this and doing, you know, on average 70, 80 transactions a day, they're coming back to me and they're like, this Hawksoft thing is incredible. This is the most unbelievable thing I've ever done. People don't want to change until they're forced to. Absolutely. It's but you know, that's, and we've, we're seeing that with COVID, right? We talked about that yesterday. Right. And I'll, I'll tell you from Justin's perspective, because he's been so instrumental in all this, just the, the downloading 
and bringing in all of our policies that are in, you know, with brokers that have to be manually put into the system Mm -hmm. and getting that system just pristine in terms of being clean with all of our active business right now has by far probably been his biggest challenge because I don't, I don't know how much of this you experienced Bradley when you started cause you were scratch, right? You didn't have many policies, but right. through, through that downloading, you know, you have to scrub all that and get duplicates out and, and do a lot of different yep. things. He, he's probably spent, I bet he spent 80 to a hundred hours doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and here's one thing that I want, I want you Scott to remember as well as, the listeners as it relates to agency management systems. There's one phrase that I want you to remember, garbage in, garbage out. Right. If you're putting garbage in, in other words, if your data is not accurate, clean, and pristine, you are not going to be able to use the management system and any tools that the management system integrates with accurately and adequately. That's exactly If there's right. garbage in, you're going to get garbage out. Right. In order for you to, and, and the one beautiful thing about Hawksoft, as I hear, is the reports are amazing. Are. And if you can, if you have bad data in there, you're going to have bad reports. Right. You know, right. You should be able to pull an accurate book of business report. You should be able to pull an accurate transaction report. And even myself has been guilty of that, you know? Right. So that's the big thing is like, all the carriers on a different page. You got these that download everything. You got some that just download new business. They don't download renewals. You got some that download transactions, some that don't, some that don't. And then you got commissions. I mean, it's just all over the board. So the carriers aren't doing things the same way. So you've got to have some kind of uniform way of handling things. Right. That's exactly right. Now we have a couple of different technologies. We are going to implement the, I believe it's called Donna. Yep. Is that correct? That's the AI technology that, flows into Hawksoft. It also, um, the loyalty score, right. It also, you know, works with rocket referrals and the bridge, which we are going to switch to the bridge, but we can't right now because our phone contract, which we've got a great phone system and it does the job, but it just doesn't even sniff from a, from a technology platform, what the bridge can do and all the features it has. So, we're going to have to get that thing down for about another six months before we implement the bridge in our agency. So uh, yeah, still a lot to do. Still a lot of changes to go through. Absolutely. Oh, 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 I forgot about the biggest thing of the whole bunch and we're going to interview him today, but you know, after lots of thoughtful prayer and consultation and thinking and praying and fighting and everything else, the most important thing we did I know when you started, you went out and you secure contracts yourself, direct contracts with carriers. So instead of doing that, we had come, we had, we had interviewed and talked to probably three or four aggregators and clusters. And I just never could get a piece about signing up with them, notably because of the whole back end. You know, if you ever decide to leave and somebody doesn't buy your agency, you're going to owe us like 40% of the book that, you know, the, the commission percentage based on what you put since you've been in here and the buy-in was, you know, 7,500, $10,000, $20,000. So right before, actually during the process of us signing up 
direct carriers. We were just going to go direct. This nationwide agent out of Ohio, we're about to interview him on a podcast here in a few weeks. That son of a gun threw a damn hand grenade in the middle of all the cluster aggregator stuff. He was like Mike Tyson coming over with a right hook, and he calls me, and he's like, hey, I got a deal for you, and if you don't do it, you've lost your damn mind. I'm sending you the contract right now. No buy-in, no buy-out, cancel any time, guaranteed 15% commissions. I mean, just all this stuff that, that they offered. It's called the agency cluster, and they have been instrumental in getting us, like, really more carriers than we actually need, both personal lines and commercial. I mean, we've got Travelers, Safeco, Nationwide, Progressive, State Auto, Allstate. I mean, we've got so many carriers probably got too many carriers actually, but they were instrumental in that because I don't believe I could have gotten that many carriers. I know I couldn't have on my own. It would have been a lot harder, especially for nationwide agents. Correct. Right. Yeah. That's been huge. Let's talk a little bit about our podcast today. It's a very special episode. We wanted to talk a little bit today about it's father's day. This is a special episode of the insurance guys podcast. This podcast will actually come out on June the 21st, which is this Sunday, correct? Isn't that Father's Day? I believe that's right. Um, You know, I guess I'll let you start and talk a little bit about your dad, what he's meant in your life, and kind of the lessons that you've learned through, you know, through through him and being around him. Yeah, man, you know, it's it's interesting that um, they say that the the older we get, the more like our dads we are, you know, and I've I've certainly – certainly seen that in myself, but you know, and I've never really, I've told this story, but I've left, I tend to over talk. So I, uh, or overshare. So I leave some parts out, but you know, the whole reason I'm in the insurance business is because of my dad. Um, and he may not even remember this, but you know, when I was working for the cell phone store, uh, I got the offer from my buddy who was, who was working at a life insurance company to come to work for him. And I was actually going to say no, because I don't know why. I don't know if it was indecision or if it was the fear of the unknown or the fear of failing or what, but you know, that would have certainly been my first big boy job. And, um, and I was actually going to say no, and I didn't tell anybody that. And the guy who had, um, asked me to join their company, um, went behind my back and told my dad, Hey, I gave Bradley a job offer and he hadn't gotten back to me. And, uh, my dad out of the blue was like, you know, I think you ought to do it, son. And I can still hear him saying this today. And so that little bit of encouragement pushed me just enough to to say, okay, I'm going to do this. You know, had it not been for that, I probably wouldn't be in the business and probably, you know, I don't know, maybe working for a garbage company. Who knows? You know, may still be at the cell phone company and being miserable. So I owe a lot to him just in that regard. But, you know, it's funny, like, I tell people that my dad was the hardest worker I know. It is the hardest worker I know. I mean, I remember, and he's owned a a successful company, been a successful business owner for, gosh, 30 plus years. I mean, I think around the time I was born was when he he took that company over. And so I, I grew up being around an entrepreneur, a business owner, and, and learned business lessons and life lessons at a very, very early age just by osmosis, just by being around him, being in the same room, you know, 
And so I'd been around that and he, all his friends, you know, and we, we, we would play a lot of golf and things like that. And all his friends would always be at the golf course with me when I was off and they'd be like, man, why don't your dad ever come out here? He, he owns the company. He needs to be the one to be out here. Let them, let them workers work. But I knew, and he, he and I would talk about it. Like, you know, people think, and this is an area I think of business ownership where a lot of people fail is, is they have the mindset of, I own the company. That's what I hire the employees for. I'm going to let them do the work and I'm going to go screw off. Right. And certainly, you know, owning the business and taking that risk affords you certain luxuries. You can do those things. Sure. But man, he was down there in the trenches with them day in and day out. My dad led by example and leads by example. He's going to show you that he not only is going to do, not ask you to do anything that he wouldn't do, but he's going to be in there doing it with you, right. you know? Right. And I learned that, you know, very, very early on. So I tell people I get my work ethic from my dad and I get my positivity and my optimism from my mom. My mom's the most positive person I know, but uh, I don't know, man. It's just like he, he valued hard work um, to the umpteenth degree, still does. It's, uh, it's taken me 10 years in the business, but he's finally starting to send all his buddies to me for insurance. But yeah, just a, just a huge influence. And, you know, one of the, the biggest lessons that, uh, that I learned from him, and this, you know, sticks with me, has stuck with me forever is, is don't burn bridges in business. Mm. That's something he says. And, and knowing me, I mean, that's, that's like the perfect message for young Bradley flowers to hear because I can sometimes be a loud mouth and certainly was a loud mouth when I was 20 years old. Cause I worked with my dad from the time I was 16 to I was, till I was 20, I worked with my dad. And, uh, and so he would always say, don't burn bridges in business, you know, be nice to everybody. You never know when you're going to need somebody. And right. Um, and I have to remind myself of that daily because it's real easy, especially when you have a platform like we do, you know, it's really easy to, you know, you say something over here and it pisses this other person off, but he, you know, he taught me that. And, and then, um, uh, the other one, which I know a lot of dads say is, is if something's worth doing, it's worth doing right. right. And I have to remind myself of that daily too, because I, I operate very fast mm. and my calendar is, I have a lot of things I cram in one day. And sometimes it's very easy to, not necessarily finish the task all the way to get to the next one just for the sake of time. And so I constantly remind myself that, which was a lesson from my dad, which is, you know, if you're going to do something, give it a hundred percent, you know, put the extra few minutes in there. Uh, and one of my favorite stories about my dad is uh, we, uh, we were playing golf and we were playing, uh, have you seen the movie 10 cup? I have. Yeah. I love okay. that. Movie. All right. You know, the end of 10 cup where Roy McAvoy is, on the 18th hole and he tries to to hit the ball in the green he keeps hitting in the water keeps hitting in the water keeps hitting in the water you know right. and uh, so me and my dad are playing golf and uh it was right when i was getting into golf and uh we were at magnolia grove which is a course here in mobile that is one of the toughest courses in the area and and they've actually they've actually went back and redesigned it that so the lpga used to play out there and after about three years the lpga came to the people at Magnolia Grove and said, Hey, this course is too tough. You guys need to, that's how tough it was. This was before they did the renovation and it was just a bear of a course. So me and dad go out there and we're on the, uh, like the 15th, the 14th, some hole and it had water in front of the green. And I was always very, very conservative in golf and he was very aggressive. And my dad had this shot he would hit where he would hit driver off the deck. 
And those of you that don't know golf, that means hitting a ball off the ground with the driver, which is not designed to hit the ball off the ground. And you have to hit it just smack perfect for it to even get close to, to making any kind of de- – it's either an all-or-nothing kind of shot. And we're sitting here. We're like 230 yards from the hole. We got water in front of the green. And both of us had played like crap that day. And we're a little more than halfway through the round. And my dad's like, all right, I'm going to hit my driver off the deck. I'm like, no, dad, lay up. You got I mean, it was basically the scene from 10 Cup with me as Cheech Marin and he is Roy McAvoy. And um, I don't know that guy's name, but um, Kevin, Costner. To, uh, Kevin Costner. Yeah, you need to lay up. You got to lay up, dad. And he's like, nope, I'm hitting my driver. And that was his favorite shot to play. And he hadn't got to do it yet. He's like, no, nah, I got your driver off the deck, driver off the deck. I'm like, so I open the golf bag. I'm like, all right, 10 cup. We got one ball left in the bag. Are we going to have to go back to the clubhouse? And that was true. We had one ball left in the bag. And my dad hit probably the prettiest shot I think I've ever seen. Landed up on the green, 15 feet from the hole. Pulled it off. Showed, showed the young buck, you know, right. that, that he could do it. But, you know, so much, man. Um, even though my dad's not in the insurance industry, we don't talk every day. I mean, so much of, of my, you know, success, so to speak, and some of the things that have happened are a byproduct of some of those earliest lessons that I, that I learned um, from working alongside him and, you know, and that sort of thing. So um, I owe a lot to, the, to him. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Bradley, I always tell people all you are – is the environment that you that you surround yourself with and you grow up with and the five people that you surround yourself with the most. And I think as an adult, the older I get and the more I study human psychology, I think there is a, I'll say it again today, but like almost like a genetic code that gets programmed into you And a big part of that is your parents, because for the first 13 years of your life, your parents are the biggest part of your life. You're getting the most from them. Right. And I think, uh, you know, when I see successful people, most of the time, not always, but most of the time, you can usually trace that back to having, you know, parents that were a big part of their life and made good decisions relative to when this person was a child and the the direction that they, you know, that they kind of helped them go in and, and those kinds of things. I've learned so much from my dad. Uh, It's hard for me to sit here and even, you know, say all of it on the podcast. I, I wrote a few things down here and, you know, my dad, first and foremost, he taught me the value of hard work as well. My friends from back home, we're actually going on a guy's lake trip in July that they always laugh and tell me, we, we'd never come over to your house, Howell, because we knew your dad would put us to work. <laughs> and and that's, the, that's the damn truth. Now, if you came to my house and you're a kid, like, you know, middle school age, he's going to put your ass to work doing something. You know, he, he was just, uh, he was always, you know, it seemed like he was always working. And But but I will say one of the things I learned from my dad, and I've tried to do this with my son, you know, you and I, we work a lot and we do a lot of things and we got a lot of irons in the fire and we're always on the phone. 
But one of the things my dad always did with me, and I would encourage every agent out there that's listening to this, especially if you're new in the industry, if you're just working your ass off, but you got kids, it's quality time over quantity time. And my dad would always take the time out. Now, not always, but, but a pretty good bit. He would come to me kind of out of the blue and he'd say, hey, you want to go fishing today? Or you want to go, you know, do this today? Or, you want to go hit baseballs today? He, he was real good at understanding he didn't have the quantity of time, meaning, you know, and, I, and I'm going to go through some of that in a minute to explain that, but he didn't have the quantity of time, but he did, he did provide the, the quality of time. That, that were times where he and I would just do something together. Just he and I, we'd spend four, five, six hours together. I, sometimes I fall short on that with my own son because I'm working so much or I got something to do. Maybe my son's staying with me that week. And I always, you know, try to tell myself quality of time, quality of time with him. Go do something with him where it's just the two of you. The other thing my dad taught me was, and this is kind of unusual, but he taught me that there's nice people everywhere you go. And I've traveled all over the world in my life. I've been to a lot of different countries. I've been to good places, bad places, bad areas, good areas. And that's always pretty much held true for me is there's good people wherever you go and there's nice people wherever you go. Uh, that that's something that's always stuck with me. My dad placed a lot of emphasis on education, and that was an area because I am more. What is it that Gary Vaynerchuk talks about? He talks about uh, there, there's there's book intelligence. I'm more of the what's the one Gary talks about emotionally intelligent. I'm more of an emotionally intelligent person. Never liked school. Never wanted to be in school. And I, I think that was always kind of a source of struggle between the two of us because I, I've never shared this with anybody before, but I'm going to share it today. You know, my dad is one of the most educated people that I have ever met. He went to the University of North Alabama, got a undergraduate degree in education and uh, a minor in zoology. Then he went to the University of Alabama and attained his master's degree in education, and then turned right back around and attained his doctoral degree in education. And then at 36 years old, was the oldest member of his law school class at the University of Alabama. So for most of my life growing up, from the time I was born until the time I was 18 years old, literally 18 years old, he was in school. And that was kind of where I get that quality, uh, quality of time over quantity. Cause hell, when you're going to get four five, six degrees, you know, you, you're having to study and you're having to work to support a family. And at night you're having to study. He's an extremely, extremely smart individual. And, uh, I think the older I get, the more I value what he sacrificed in order to, to go back. And I, I think the, he started out as a high school, middle school football coach, taught special education. As he got those degrees, he worked his way up to superintendent of education position, actually interviewed and got the, and, and could have had the job as a superintendent of education when I was a, I believe an eighth, seventh or eighth grader, possibly. No, I would have been before that, maybe sixth grader. An enterprise, enterprise school system down in South Alabama. 
So he turned that down, went back to law school at 36 and got his Juris Doctorate in law at 36 years old. Very intelligent, puts a lot of emphasis on education. One other, couple other things he taught me was you got to see about your business. And I can I even sound a little bit like him when I say that. It's always mystified me, these insurance agents that go out there and they buy all these books of business all over the country. And I always, when I hear that, I'm like, how do you see about your business? You know, how are you able to manage a book of business in Iowa, Denver, Florida, all that? Um, so that that was something that he, he taught me. And um, last but not least, I guess the thing I always noticed about my dad that we've never talked about is my dad was one of those very rare people I have a lot of friends and a lot of people that I know that will only associate with people in their social class, or they are constantly trying to move up the social rankings and be around people with money, or, you know, they, they're always trying to, to, to kind of, kind of move up that ladder. My dad was one of the very few people I, I've, I've ever met who had friends that were, you know, lieutenant governor of the state of Alabama, corporate attorney in Birmingham, federal judges that he was friends with. You know, he's still a municipal judge to this day in Hamilton. But he also had friends that literally didn't know how to read and write. Uh, Some of those people, and he would usually spend more time with those people from a, a, a strictly a friendship standpoint than he did with some of the, the other people. And, and, and I, that was something that always intrigued me about him was I had never met somebody that had such a, just a, a, a overarching group of friends that were so different. You know, this guy's farms for a living and this guy, you know, he's a, runs a record business and they run, you know, comes over to the house and maybe eats dinner with us. But then the next day he might be with a guy that was a former governor of the state of Alabama. And it's very rare that I see that because most people that I know are always trying to stay in their social strata. And I think it's something Jerry Clower talked about in one of his, his skits that he had a comedian, Jerry Clower. He's talking about a, he was given a eulogy for a Baptist preacher, and it was one of the things he talked about, how he had friends from, from all denominations and all walks of life and all religions and all colors and all creeds. And my dad is one of those people. You know, you, you talk about this Black Lives Matter thing and, and all the, the, the civil and, and, and social unrest that we have. And one of the things I'm proudest of is, my, you know, my dad has friends that go across all barriers of of that you know he's got friends that are that are african-american he's got friends you know and it just always really intrigued me about him and um, probably one of the things that i am the most proud of him for because i deal with so many people that i can see as an outsider looking at them that just want to have nothing to do with anybody that doesn't have something that can help them Mm mm-hmm and you see that a lot in the insurance business where people, especially, you know, the, the more you're in this thing, the people that you meet, they tend to 
want to gravitate towards all those people that can help them or have more right. money or more social standing than they do. But you don't see a lot of people that are want to sit down and have an hour long conversation with the guy that has the little old bitty independent agency and, and only has $500,000 in premium. And I think I, I think by osmosis, I'm kind of that way where I'm probably more drawn to those types of people and not wanting to be around people that just care about, you know, living up to whatever social strata that they seem to be in right now. So he's taught me a lot of life lessons. He's been a great father. He's a fantastic human being. You know, I I love him very much. He's a good guy. Yeah, I agree, man. It's crazy that the impact that our parents have on our life, regardless of. And it's so deep, the impact or lack of an impact, meaning maybe dad wasn't around and maybe stepdad or boyfriends weren't that person that that kid needed in their life. And that's where things can sometimes go off the rails or somebody develops a lot of anger or or they just aren't directed in a direction they probably need to be going in to be successful in life. And that, unfortunately, that genetic DNA that I'm talking about that gets that chip that gets inputted into your head from the time you're born, that carries with you your whole life. And it's very, very, very difficult. People can do it, but it's very hard to change the software that's in that chip. I agree. No pressure for all you guys that have kids out there. (laughs) They'll be in therapy when they're 48 years old talking about all the. Now, I will say this about my dad, Bradley. That son of a bitch was tough when I was growing up. Mine too. He would whip my ass in about a freaking New York second if I screwed up. And When I I was working with my dad, we had a – he was always way more harder on me than he was on his other employees. Right. I and I was that. just the grunt man. I was the guy that did all the dirty work, you know, got paid $8 an hour, which I thought was a ton. And it, 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 Let me tell you something my dad instilled in me, and to this day it's something that you've noticed about me that I take a lot of pride in. You know, my dad's been a municipal judge for 10 or 15 years, and throughout my life, and this goes to what you just said too, he has never – done anything for me relative to a favor Mm -hmm. he is very careful not to accept favors or let anybody get one over on him and and Mm -hmm. that's part part of that's being a judge right Yeah, yeah yeah but that's just who he is as a person and that's why you know sometimes you and I'll be having discussions or kind of kidding around with each other about discounts we get with a vendor or you know, what, you know, what are we going to get with this? Cause we had them on the podcast. I don't know of any vendor that I use that has been on our podcast that I'm getting any kind of special treatment with, because I don't want that. I, I've never, mm-hmm. I'm very careful to let anybody do anything for me because it goes back to the Gary Vaynerchuk 5149 rule. You know what right. I'm talking about? I don't ever want somebody to come back to me because of something I allowed them to do for me. Right. That now I owe them a favor. Well, and it's always too with like our sponsors. I tell every sponsor, you know, we're going to give you more value than 
than the dollars that you're giving us. If we have a a year agreement with you and at the end of that year, you don't feel like we returned a fair shake, we're going to do another one for free. It's one of those things that like you'll see me like if one day we were in the podcast studio, I can't remember what it was. It may have been a book that somebody had and I was just, some people would have probably had the expectation that book was just given to you. And I was like, no, here, here, how much is it? I'm going to pay for it. Right. Right. So right. If, if we're ever out, I'm always trying to buy, you know, buy yeah. your dinner, buy whatever. I never want somebody to get one up on me. It's like Chris Paradiso said, never let a carrier rep buy you lunch. You buy their lunch. Exactly. Um, but I know I got that from my dad because right. he's one of those guys that is not going to do any favors for Scott. And, mm-hmm. and he would say, he told me one time, he said, let me tell you something. You ever come to Hamilton, Alabama, and you get a DUI, I'm putting your ass in jail. Under the jail, yeah. You get ready for that. That's happening. Yeah. That's a good That's a good motivator to keep you from uh... – Yeah. Where, where most dads that were judges would, you know, they'd be like, well, you know, we're going to give him driving school. No, yeah. I, know that, I know what he would do. I know exactly yeah. what he would do. And, and you see that sometimes in, in a lot of times in insurance where, you know, people expect, you know, well, if I do this, you do that and that kind of thing. And I, I just yeah. don't like that. One time when I, so when I was working for my dad, he was always real, real tough on me when I, rightfully so, you know, boss's son didn't need to get any special treatment. Um, although there's going to be some by default, but um, he was always real tough on me. And anytime I would screw something up, one of my good friends, and I was friends with the guys that we worked with, the other employees. And anytime I screwed anything up, they would take the blame for it. Right. Because they knew dad was going to come down hard on me. And I'll never forget, we were installing red light cameras. And it was me and another guy who was maybe two years older than me. And I was 16, so he was 18. And we're going up in this lift. And we're in this, this, these red light cameras. They can zoom in a mile. They can read. This is how high tech they were. And this was 10, 15 years ago. Mm. They could read a license plate from a mile away. So they actually weren't red light cameras. They're more security cameras. Right. And they could read a lot. That's how high tech they were. And they came in, they came in this encasing that would protect them. And they were Sony cameras. I remember that. And we would go up in the lift and like a, you know, 30 feet up in the air, 40 feet up in the air. And the job was, is I would hold the light. And the other guy would work the lift. We get up there and while I'm holding it, he's installing it. We get there and uh, we get to like the third or fourth one and Sony or whoever we bought it from forgot to put the casing on it. It did not have the casing on it. So it's just this gear hanging there, valuable. And I want to say these lights were like 900 bucks each. Not a lot, but to a 15-year-old, 16-year-old, an 18-year-old kid that's making you know, we were probably making $18 an hour between us <laughs> collectively. And that was, it was like, oh, my God, this is a lot of money. So we're going up, and I'm holding the light. And remember, I said my dad's employees would a lot of times take the blame for stuff I did. And we're going up, and he looks at me as we're going up. He said, okay. He said, if you drop this light, it's going to be that some bitch right there did it. <laughs> it was him. It was Bradley. He dropped that light. Not me. It was you. <laughs> so don't drop that light. I'm not taking the blame for this one. So I thought that was kind of funny. Well, I know that your dad is extremely proud of you. I know my dad's extremely proud of me. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a quick story. And I know we got to go. We got another podcast we got to do here in a little while. But about three or four months ago, my dad called me one day. I'd sent him the link to our podcast. Yeah. And uh, 
he was talking to me and he was trying to give me a compliment. He, I know what he was trying to do. He was trying to give me a compliment. And uh, he was just stunned, borderline in awe of how well you and I do with this podcast. And it was, it was almost, it was comical because it was like in my mind, I'm thinking, Oh, you know, so I guess you probably didn't think I had this in me, you know, that kind of thing. And he was just like, my dad said, what the hell is a podcast? Yeah. Yeah. My, my, mine, mine started listening to mine. I think he probably, I don't know. I don't know if he listens every week or not, but he, uh, he just calls me. He's like, Scott, I I just got to tell you, I, I just can't, I don't know where you got this from or how you're able to do this, but I'm just blown away that you're, that you're this good on this podcast and stuff. And I, you know, I, I said, well, I appreciate you saying that, but it was almost like he just couldn't even believe it. He was just like, this is unbelievable. My son can do this. So, uh, and, th- and there's a lot of things that is my fault. It's I take my, I take responsibility that I wish I had that he had because he's a Renaissance man. He can build anything. He can work on cars. But the reason that was not passed down to me was not because he didn't want to. It was just that I was not interested in that stuff back then. Mm-hmm. I never got interested in show me how to build a, 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 you know, he could build a carport by himself. He could, uh, you know, not much he can't do relative to that kind of stuff. And I take responsibility for that because I just wasn't interested. But Right. Yeah. You ready to wrap up? Let's do it. Guys, I always say rewards come from action, not discussion. Today I'm going to say this. Happy Father's Day to my father. Happy Father's Day to Bradley's father. And thank you both for the love and support that that you've showed us over the years. I know Bradley and I both love you very much, and you mean a lot more to us than you probably know. My dad told me one time, he said, you know, son, you're never a man until your father passes away. And one of the biggest regrets I will ever have in my life, and I've known this for a long time, is that I don't get to spend more time with my dad. And hopefully one day that can change. You guys are listening to a very special episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. It's Father's Day. Call your dad today. Love him up. Don't care what he did or didn't do to you when you were little or when you were young. But it's time to call him today and tell him how much you love him. And uh, we'll see you all back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at iprotectins at gmail.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to bradleyflowersinsurance.com or email him at bradley at sarahlandinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to being with you again real soon on the next episode of the Insurance Guys. Take care.